Thank you so much for joining us today for our LifePoint podcast. At LifePoint, we believe everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and with God, anything's possible. Hope you enjoy. What's up, everybody? How are you, everybody? Welcome. Welcome. Uh, my name is Danny Rivers, and I'm one of the pastors here at LifePoint Church, and we're so glad you're here today. And if you're a guest with us today here in the room, or whether you're with us online, we're so glad all of you are here. In fact, those of you in the room, would you give those guys at home, would you give them a big hand or wherever they're at right now? Thank you guys for joining us. So glad you all are here. Uh, one thing real quick, we know it's starting to be fall season, and even if it's not, we're going to start dressing like it. Can I get an amen on that? Somebody's like, if it's below 80, I'm wearing a sweater, you know what I'm saying? Um, but on our front porch, just right out here, kind of to the left outside, we got a little photo op for the families of the pumpkins and the scarecrows and the hay and all that stuff. So make sure you take a look at that and take some pictures there. It'll be fun for you uh, down the road somewhere. Um, we are starting a brand new series, as you just saw, called If Money Talked. And over the next three weeks today included, we're going to just kind of dig into some just financial and pr- practical financial uh, teachings and, and, and I would, I would just, I want to start like this. Let me just start by asking, uh, 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 I think, a strong question. Um, how, how many of you would be honest enough um, to say that there have been times in your life, and, and there may, it may even be right now, but there have been at least some time in your life where you've had some financial stress in your life? Would you raise your hands? Yeah, look around. That's, a, that's most of us in the room today. I think it's a fairly normal thing in our culture. Most people you run into will say they've had some f- stress uh, our, our world right now is filled with financial stress, the, the economy, you know, inflation, recession. We keep hearing all these words bandied about. Um, I, I think that stress related to finances is normal, but as we've said before, normal isn't working, okay? So there's got to be a better way to deal with finances that doesn't result in just chronic stress in our lives, and the good news, there is, all right? So today I want to talk about money. Now, here's the other good news. If you uh, haven't been to church in a long time, or if you're a first-timer here, uh, listen, we don't want anything from you. I'm not going to ask you for anything. We're not launching a capital campaign today, so you can just relax, right? We receive an offering at the end of every gathering, and it's just for whosoever will. We're not going to pressure anybody. This isn't an ask, um, and, and we don't want anything from you, but we do want something for you, and, and that's why we're doing this series. There, there is a a word that we have used through the years here at LifePoint uh, to describe um, blessings and, 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 and goodness in our lives. Uh, today, I want to I talk about it in a way that refers to finances, and, and the word is margin. Um, so I'm going to explain it in just a second. I want to say what's going to happen today. Today is not the be-all, end-all. We're not going to solve all the world's problems because, A, we can't. B, I don't know what they are anyways. Come on, can I, can I get an amen? Um, but I want to give you principles, just a, bu- a series of principles that are kind of related that I think if you were to apply them, one or all of them um, could help for those of us who are struggling or have stress and pressure related to finances. And, and this is the first one right here. This is the big one, I, I would say, margin. The way I describe margin is, is an overall, I don't, I don't mean it just about money, I just mean margin in life, breathing room we used to call it. Margin is the space, and the key word is there's space, between your current pace, in this case of spending, right, and your limits, the actual outer limits of how much is coming in. So margin is the space between your current limits 
and uh, or your current pace rather and your limits. I've talked about time as it relates to margin, and time and money have some things in common, right? So with time, we would say time is limited, right? In 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 the, in the uh, I think it's Psalms, maybe Psalm ninety. Moses says, "Teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain a heart of wisdom." Like that, there is a finite amount of time that you and I are allotted in this life, and there is a finite amount of time in in a mo- in a minute, in an hour, in a day, in a week, in a year, etc. Right? So it's limited. So therefore, we have to limit what we do with our time because time equals life. Right? If I waste my time, then I'm actually wasting part of my life. Right? Does that make sense? Now, money is similar, but it's different this way. Your money is also limited. My money is also limited, just like time is. But we don't have to limit what we do with our money. And, and this is why our finances sometimes look like... You, you guys, um, maybe this is you. Um, anybody ever see a garage that's like, if they stick one more thing in there, the whole house is going to fall down, right? It's like... Some of you have a garage, and we kind of have this garage too, uh, a little bit, where it's like when you take out the trash, you just open it long enough, so and you hope your neighbors don't pass by, right? Come on, because you don't want them to see in there. It's like, it's not good. It's, it's not a good look for, it's not, it's not a good look for, Rachel's domain is everywhere except the garage, and that's the part that doesn't look good. Come on, somebody, because that's my, my area, right? All right, so sometimes our finances look like that, like you put one more thing in there, this thing's going to fall apart, and because Money is readily available, but we don't own it in, the, in, in terms of credit, right? Money is readily available to any of us in the form of credit, even though we don't own the money. Everybody with me on that? You, you don't have to limit what you, do, what you do with money. Even if you only have this much money, you can spend this much money, right, because of, of credit. So what you do with money is not limited, even though money is limited. So, so margin... Very basic. Are everybody with me? Just basic. Margin is like, okay, you make $5,000 a month and you spend $4,500 a month. You have $500 of margin, right? Left over. That's space. Um, $500 worth of breathing room or margin for that month. And, and what that looks like, by the way, I'm going to get to the Bible in just a minute. Just let me set some stuff up. Some people get panicky if I don't read a verse like right out of the gate. Is he even a Bible believer? Yeah, trust me. If you go here, you know we are, okay? Right? Literally, folks, get up and leave because you haven't mentioned one in the first 12 seconds. So I'm going, I promise. I'm right. Um, it's, it's actually true. But anyways, um, what that looks like is when we have margin left over, we have leftover, we, we get to do things with it that we enjoy, things that we need. We get to give some of it away to help other people in need. We could hire people to do the stuff we don't want to do around the house. Come on, like wash the, the cat. Or like if you have a cat, you know, you don't want to wash it. Just let it wash itself. Come on, praise God, somebody. Because you lose digits in the process, right? I made that mistake one time. Anyways, but, but, but breathing room margin as it relates to, to, to our lives in all areas of our lives is about peace. It's about you can breathe. You can rest. We're not stressed out if something goes wrong. And I don't know if you've ever noticed, people, but stuff tends to go wrong in bunches. Yes? Like the air conditioner, then it's the car, and then it's the wash machine, right? And it's like, dear Lord. But if you have margin, you don't have to panic when those natural things happen. So to begin our discussion, 
I, I, I want to tell you something, and I've said this here before, but it's been a long time ago, so most of you weren't even here. You haven't heard it. When I tell you this thing, you're going to go, oh, okay, that's right. I, I haven't really thought about it before, but that's right. And, and, and the reason I want to tell you it here, and, and those of you at home, that, so that you can hear it as well, is that n- people are in the culture are telling us the exact opposite. And here's what I want to tell you, okay? There is a big difference between standard of what? Of living and quality of life. There is a difference between standard of living and quality of life. Now, quality of life is your overall well-being. That could involve money, but it's not really about that. It's about everything, like my overall well-being in life. And standard of living is, is generally speaking about the amount of money that you have at your discretion. <clears throat> like, so every single day, though, every single advertisement, you and I are told um, that these two things are the same thing and that if I raise my standard of living, <clears throat> like if I dress better, drive better, vacation better, eat out better, date better, if I get bigger, better, shinier, newer, um, if I raise my standard of living, I will have a better quality of life, and that is not true. More stuff does not mean better well-being. Does not mean. Can the two sometimes go together? Yeah, but it does not equal that. As we said before, the studies show that well-being is tied to quality relationships more than any other thing. Sociologists, uh, psychologists have studied this thing. Human flourishing, they say, as it turns out, is tied much more into the quality of our relationships than it is the quality of our stuff every single time. In fact, because of my role as a pastor, I'm 50 years old. I've been doing this for almost 30 years now. Um, I, I, I have been at many end-of-life situations in hospitals, at homes, where people are just about to pass from this life to the next. And never once have I had conversations with people who knew I'm, I'm dying. Have they said, I wish I had more things. I wish I had more stuff. I wish I had bought a bigger house. I wish I had better. I wish I had more stuff to leave my kids. They never say that. What they say is I wish I had more time to, to spend with my family, with my kids, to see my grandkids. Whatever the case is, what they often re- regret, their regrets are tied to, I wish I didn't spend as much time trying to gain, to get, to go, to grow, and I wish I'd spent more time on the actual people I was thinking I was doing it for. Every single time. So, so in fact, some of us, the truth is we're, n- we're not enjoying the quality of our, our lives even though we have m- our standard of living is higher than it's ever been before. Like you and your family, you and your spouse, you and your significant other, your standard of living has been raised throughout the years, but you still don't get along when it comes to money and, and, all the t- and, and we fight about it, we argue about it, and, and all, 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 all of us have more stuff than we've ever had, but we don't even get to enjoy it. Why? Because we're worried about keeping it, right? And, and, and there's a difference between quality of life and standard of living. Now, here's, a, here's another truth. I'm just going to drop little truths on you today. We'll, we'll flesh these out over the next few weeks. You can raise your standard of living with, with debt, right? Credit cards, borrowing, borrow, borrow. You can raise your standard. You, you raise your quality of life, though, with discipline. Like, not just financially, but in every area of life, you want to have better health, that's going to require discipline. You want to have better relationships, that's going to require 
discipline, right? We can raise the standard of living just with debt, just by borrowing. But we raise the quality of our lives with discipline. But here's what I know in our culture, in American culture, we are far more comfortable with that than we are with this. We are more comfortable with debt than we are with discipline. And, and it's true, and we all know it is true. And, and so you have to, to go backwards. We have to, we, time is limited, so we have to limit our, what we do with our time. Money is also limited, but because of debt, we don't have to limit what we do with it, and that results in a lack of discipline. Now, or that, uh, that's because of a lack of discipline. This, this has huge implications for those of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus. And I know not everybody here is, not everybody listening is, but for those of us who follow Jesus, because, because if God loves you the way he says he does, and I believe that he does, uh, what, do you, what do you believe God is most interested in in our lives? Is it our standard of living, or is it our quality of life? Yeah, quality of life. Jesus said in John 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, destroy, but I have come that you may have life, and life more abundantly, or life to the full, right? Jesus is interested not just in our financial life, but in our life abundant, whole, whole life, right? So let me ask it in another way. If you're married, um, what would you rather have, an awesome marriage or a miserable marriage but with really cool cars? Well, you know, some of y'all shouldn't probably answer that because you're like, I, I like cars, man. Don't. You should answer, I'd rather have a better marriage. But some of us would be like, ah, that's going to give me a minute, right? (laughs) So standard of living is got to keep up, got to have the latest, greatest, or quality of life, which is about peace and contentment and joy and happiness. Creating margin may lower sometimes, may lower standard of living like what you have access to buy. But I promise you, along the way, it's going to raise your standard or your quality of life. And at some point in your life, those of you who are probably 50 like I am or older, you would, you would probably agree with this. At some point along the way, quality of life is going to become more important to you than your standard of living. It's a fact. And, and I would say to the people under 50, that's better to get a handle on this now than wait till you're 50 plus and go, but I don't know how to fix it now. Right? Solomon, the wisest man, the Bible says, who lived, says this in Proverbs 21 about this very thing. He says, the wise, what do they do? They store up, now, agrarian society, agriculture, not banking and finances and credit cards like we think. The wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools, what? They gulp theirs down. What he's saying is that wise people, part of why they're wise is that they create space. They create margin in their financial life. Wise people save for a rainy day. Foolish people spend, consume all they have. And if you give them more, they'll spend that as well. And I find it interesting that this verse doesn't say that the, the wealthy store up or the two-income family store up. Nothing wrong with that if that's your family. Or the, the family with six-figure incomes store up. No, it just simply says, in the house of the wise. Right? Meaning, it's not about how much money you make. It's about how much money you wisely manage. Dave Ramsey would say, it isn't about how much money you make. It's about how much money you keep. Right? 
Um, we, we don't have a getting problem. We have a keeping problem. Can I get, a, can I get an amen, somebody, right? Th- there is a wise way to manage the money that God entrusts us with. And if, and if you read the Bible, whatever we have, God gave it to us. That's what it says. Everything, all the earth belongs to God, it says, right? So there, there is a wise and there is a foolish way. The key to wisdom, the key to quality of life in this particular arena of finances is, is, is contentment. This is another principle, contentment, learning to be content. And this is how I want to say it with God's current provision level for your life. The current one, not the one you hope for, not the one that you think is going to happen, but the actual one that you have. Everybody, does that make sense? So, so Paul is writing these incredible words in a book called uh, Philippians. It's a letter that he writes to friends in a town called Philippi. And here's what he says about this notion of contentment. He says, I have learned the the secret of being content in any and what? Every situation. Whether, and he he describes what that looks like, whether well-fed or hungry, right? Whether living in plenty or in want. And then this famous verse, verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, Now, we like to isolate this verse, verse 13, and, and make it a standalone verse, and so it's like on coffee mugs and bumper stickers. Like, I've seen it in people's bathrooms, right, like a, like a, like a, like a thing, and I was like, what does that do in the bathroom? But as I get older, I understand the value of that verse. Is that, is that too much? I can, I can do this. No, I'm, I'm kidding. It's too much. It's too much. Only the older people are like, oh, I know what he's talking about. And we're like, just go. You know, anyways, um, that's too much. That's too much. I'm sorry. If you're new here, I'm sorry. Okay? All right. Like, like what this verse, this verse is not meant to be isolated, though. This is a verse about how Paul, it's the secret to how Paul has learned to be content. This is what that verse is about, which is that God gives me the strength, whether I have a lot or a little, to be content. That's the secret. That's the secret he learned was that God wants to give me the strength to learn to be content in any and all situations, right? So somebody who, is, who says, Jesus Christ is Lord of my life, joyfully accepts God's current level of provision in their life. And, and they realize, the wise person realizes that throughout my life, that can go up and down throughout various seasons of life. And so what the wise person does is knows it's my responsibility as things go up and down throughout my life to adjust, uh, to make adjustments so that I learn to be joyfully content, whether it's a lot or a little coming in. And, and Paul says it's God who gives us the strength to accomplish that very thing. Right? So this doesn't mean that I never dream about building something new or getting a new house or getting a new car or, you know, whatever it is. It just means, now here's the, here's the takeaway. It just means that I, when I've learned to be content, it just means that I won't put my family in, 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 with, in a place where there is no margin, where there is no safety net. I won't get my family in a place of so much debt that, that generosity isn't possible in order to get whatever it is I'm dreaming of. I won't, I'll dream about it, but I won't spend my family into oblivion in order to get my dreams and leave them in a very, very tenuous position. That's what it means. So, so here's another truth. Here's an obvious truth. And this is another principle. We all live on a percentage of our income, yes or no? 
right? So everybody does. That's, that's like a duh thing, right? But the issue is not all of us know what the percentage we've, we, we are living, we're using of our income. We don't even know what it is. And if we do know it, most of us didn't choose it, right? It just happened to us. I'm living, Dave Ramsey says that, that the average American lives on 109% of their income. So do the math. So we're like, wait a minute, I thought there was only 100%. Yes. The average American lives on 109%. So, so that is bad, everybody with me? Like, is that good or bad? Bad, all right? It's bad, right? So it just, we don't choose the percentage. It just sort of chooses us, right? I want to say this to every young couple, every person thinking of being a couple, every person who's, a, who's under... Let's say, let's say you're in, the, you're, you're in your 20s or, or, or younger. You should now, right now, decide ahead of time what percentage of your income you're going to live on, right? And here's why. The reason you should decide ahead of time what percentage of your income you're going to live on is because you are going to live on a percentage of your income. You're welcome. You're welcome. It's very, very profound, right? Let me say that again. All of you are living on a percentage of your income why would you not choose what it is rather than letting your lifestyle choose it for you? Shrewd people decide ahead of time for themselves rather than letting life pick the number for them. Rachel and I decided before we got married and then we decided as we got married that we were going to live on a percentage of our income and we were going to start with as a baseline, we're going to give 10% back to God, which is called the tithe. We were never going to not do that. And, and then we would use whatever else we decided we wanted to do, uh, whatever we own, whatever we had to, to bless other people's lives, other organizations' lives, things that we believe in. Whatever we own, whatever we have, whatever God's given us, it's all available to God, all of it. You're like, uh, no, it's all available to God. It's his anyways, but we decided that at the very baseline, we're going to give 10% back to God. And so the wise person says, you don't have to do it my way. I'm just telling you what we've done. I'll live on a certain percentage that leaves me margin every month. So here's how they'll think. I'll save some, I'll give some, and I'll spend some. Wise people do those three things. I'll save some, I'll give some, and I'll spend some. And you got to decide what the percentages are. But if you don't decide, life decides for you. And you end up leaving two of those three out. Right? Foolish people. Unwise people just say, I'll spend. And I'll hope it all works out in the end. Right? That kind of rhymed. We should make that a slogan. Right? Now, when you think about consumer debt, which is out of control in our country. Right? And I'm not a money expert. Right? I'm not. But I can read. Okay? Um, uh, at the root of consumer debt for the Christ follower is wanting more than God's current provision for your life and then arranging another way um, to, to get it for yourself. So the Apostle Paul says, here's the deal. What we do is, whether we, when we have a lot, when we have a little, we make adjustments all along the way, constantly making adjustments to live beneath the provision level that God has given us at this current season of our lives. We pray for more, we hope for more, but even if we get more, we adjust based on what God's doing. We keep margin in our life, we keep space between us and the limits, right? Because margin, right? Because margin, there it is, margin plus contentment equals peace. Financial 
peace. Margin, space, plus whatever's coming in right now, I'm grateful. I'm content with what God has. Equals peace, and that's what, that's what you guys watching this, listening to this, this is what we need in this room. We all need peace. Some of us have no peace because we fell for the lie that standard of living and quality of life are the same thing. And, and now, now, some of us will say, no, no, Danny, that's not the problem. The problem is not that I believe the lie. The problem is that God has jacked up my provision level. Come on, somebody, right? He jacked it up, man. He got it wrong, right? I saw what he did for those folks over there, and he, he hasn't done that for me. It's on him, right? And, 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 and my provision level is supposed to be higher, uh, but God, you got your wires crossed up there, so now I'm down here paying for that right now. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to get some credit cards, and I'm going to arrange a provision level beyond my, the provision level you gave me because your provision level is not the right one for me. This is what I'm going to do, and this is what debt, debt does, right? It, and, and sometimes you have to have debt. You have to buy a house or whatever. I get it. I'm talking about the kind where you're just like, I can't wait. I won't wait. I want it now. Bam. I'm, I'm going to slide it. You know, I'm going to whatever. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go give plasma. Come on, somebody. <laughs> when I was in college, there was a group of us that would go like every other couple of weeks just to give plasma so we could pay our school bill. Come on, praise God for that. I don't even know what it is, but they took it and they gave me money for it, right? You're like, really? I didn't know that. Don't do it. Don't do it. You need, you need it. Donate it to the food, the, the food bank. No, don't donate it to the food bank. It's weird. Is this like a Dracula food bank? I don't know. I don't know. Sorry. I'm way off base now. Now, here's the truth. Though. God wants something better for you. Do you believe that than, 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 than drowning in debt and, and misery and, and ruin? Like, um, I think it's, though, it's time for some of us just to drive a stake in the ground and say, no more. No more. And, and some of you say, yeah, I want to drive the stake in the ground, but I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do it. Listen, this, first of all, this is why we're doing a series like this, because a lot of people don't know what to do. Our, our, we, we come from a generations of people who didn't know how to handle money. I get it. I, I get that. But there are, there are resources. There are people. Um, we're starting a brand new life group today. It's four weeks long. We're starting, not today. We're not starting today. You can sign up for today back at Next Step Central. It's called uh, If Money Talked. It's, based, it's, a, it's a book by Andy Stanley. Um, it, we're gonna, it's four weeks long. It's going to dig into the depths of all this stuff, what we're talking about, but really into the weeds of it. And then in January, February, um, we do Financial Peace University here. Russ, wave at us, Russ. Russ, helps, Russ and his wife help us lead this. Um, but we're doing something we've never done before, and that is we're buying a license so that anyone who wants to go through financial peace can go, because it costs money, and it used to be pretty expensive. But anybody in this church can go. We're going to do it in this room starting in February so that anybody who wants to get a handle on this, especially at the beginning of the year when you're like, we got to get a handle on this because you just had Christmas. Come on, and you were like, I know what he said, but here we go again. Slide the card, right? Right? Um, we're going we're gonna, to, we're gonna, all of us, we're going to go through it. It's going to change our lives, I promise you. But in the meantime, if you're right now, this is an incredible series that, uh, of, of small groups. It's going to happen right here on Tuesday night, this coming Tuesday night, 6.30, right outside there. 6.30, you can come and you can be part of that. You can sign up at Next Step Central right out there. You can say no more, and you can take a practical way. L let me finish here, last few minutes here. So Paul says to Timothy, his son in the gospel, 1 Timothy 6, he says, he says, but godliness with what? Contentment equals is great what? Gain. Say it with me. But godliness 
with contentment is great gain. For, here's another truth bomb. We brought nothing into the world, yes or no, right? We didn't bring anything to the world. You were born with nothing, right? And we can take nothing out of, the, out of it. You're going out with nothing. The wise man, one wise man said, when life is over, everything you acquire and everything goes into a box. It all goes back into the box. And your kids, your grandkids, are going to take some of it, like the, the values, the things that you held so dear, and they're going to put the rest of it out on the street. Right? And it's going to be called an estate sale. Right? <laughs> Come on. You valued it your whole life. You protected it. You hoarded it. And then it goes away. But godliness with contentment is great gain. We brought nothing to the world, can take nothing out. But if we have food and clothing, we will be what? Content with that. Next verse. People who want to get rich, nothing wrong with being rich, but the people who that's all they can think about, they fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that what? Plunge men into ruin and destruction. Go on. For the love of money, not money itself, but the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people... Paul says, eager for money, have wandered from their faith and what? Pierced themselves, but not just themselves, pierced their loved ones with many griefs. People eager to live beyond their current provision level that God's given them have pierced themselves, meaning they've done it to themselves. And here's the thing we know about uncontrolled debt is that it causes grief, it causes financial pressures, which causes more grief. Living by our means causes grief to our families, to our relationships. People can't enjoy what they have because they're so worried about the money they spent to get it, which they didn't have to buy it in the first place, right? In fact, we've all heard this, and it's true that financial pressures is the, is the leading cause of divorce. Think about that kind of grief. Those of you who've been down that road, you know how horrifying and painful that is. That's how much grief, Paul says, that the love of money has pierced people with. And, and, and what, we're, what we're doing every day when we start sliding cards for no good reason because other than we want it and we can't wait for it is we are trading margin, flexibility, security, and peace and such like for material things that don't last Come on, you buy something for 200 bucks, you got it at a garage sale for $2. Come on, and you're bitter, you're angry, but your wife makes you get rid of it. Come on, anybody know what I'm saying, right? <laughs> or maybe husbands, you make the wife get rid of it, right? Why, why do we keep doing this to ourselves? Because we've bought into the lie of culture, and our culture's definition is happiness equals more than I currently have. And, and, and this leads us to another little dirty word, uh, and this word is, is greed. And it's hard to see greed in the mirror for yourself, isn't it? It's easier to see greed in somebody else's mirror. Come on, can I get a witness, somebody? And it's hard to see it in your own mirror. And I've never had a conversation with somebody who's saying, you know, Danny, I'm struggling in our finances, and my problem is I'm just greedy. I've never heard that before. They'll blame it on their wife. Come on, she's greedy. Or they'll blame it on their husband. He's greedy, right? But, but a lot of times it is actual greed. And greed here, just by definition, maybe this will help, is the assumption that it's all for my consumption. Right? Greed is the assumption that everything that comes in is all for my consumption. I think if money talked, here's the takeaway. I think if money talked, it would say, I can add meaning to your life, but I am not the meaning of life. Does that make sense, everybody? 
It can, can it add value? Of course it can. Is life sometimes better if you have some, some and you, and rather than you don't have some? Yes. But it won't, it will not, it cannot be the meaning of life. And when it becomes the meaning of life, when it becomes the cheap pursuit of man, life falls apart quickly. You may have it all together on the outside, inside, it doesn't work w- really well. Um, let me ask you this. This is just for us to gauge our own heart right now. If, if you were, if you could go back 10 years from where we are right now and think about, and you had a career, you're old enough to have had a career. If 10 years ago, somebody would have told you, for some of you, maybe 15 years is a better number, that, that, that you would make what you make right now, would you have believed them? Some of you go, no, because I still make way less, right? Right? Like, like if, 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 if I told you 15 years from now, 10-year-old, 15-year-old self right now, from, like 15 years from now, you're going to make this much money, you'd be go, what? But you're still going to be in a lot of debt and financial pressure. You'd go, no way. Because, man, if I could get to the place where I made 10000 15000 more, if I could stop being hourly and get a salary, if I could get benefits, man, I would, be, I would have it made. And here you are, here you are, here I am, here we are, better than we were back then, facing the same pressures and frustrations we did back then. What happened? Here, here's the truth, okay? Here's the truth. None of, it will, none of that will change no matter how much higher your income goes if you don't change the way you think about money. It will never change. You'll get more and more because you have, you have, most of you have, and you'll still have less and less and more and more debt and still have pressure. In our culture, most of us have lifestyled our way straight past margin. It's not an income for most of us, right? <clears throat> most of us say, if I made more money, but it's not an income problem. It's a lifestyle problem. As our income goes up, so does our spending, which if we get past the obvious and get to the root of it, what we really have is not a lifestyle problem. We have a spiritual problem. We don't have an income problem. We have a heart problem, Jesus said. It's about our hearts. So, what do we do practically, quickly? It's very obvious. If you, if you want to create margin in your life, you have to do one of two things. You have to either earn more or spend less. You're welcome, right? It's very, it's very powerful, right? Earn, now, even better would be to earn more and, come on, spend less, right? So either one will work, and, and, and you can't get there, though, without keeping an eye on your money. Where is it going? Like, sometimes we will stop and go, wait a minute, what just happened this month? And we'll be like, we spent how much at Las Palapas? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Come on. It's good. Not going to lie. The one over here in Calabria is better than the one on Bandera over off of uh, Hausman. I don't know why, but it is. The lemonade tastes better and the chips taste better. Just throwing that out there. If you work over that other one, tell them to get their act together, like the one over here. All right, anyways, sorry. I'm hungry, all right? So I don't know what I'm even talking about now. Can I, let me give you another principle real, real quick. Another thing that you should learn young is that I want is much better than I owe. Did it go over? Like, I want that car is better than I owe a lot of money on that car. I want that house, that dream house, is better than I owe way too much. I want that pair of shoes is better than I have to pay for that pair of shoes for the next four years of my life because I swiped that card, right? 
If you, if you can't make more money right now, then the only obvious choice is to cut spending, and you cut spending by knowing where the money's going and discipline yourself to say, I want, not I owe. Amen, somebody. That's a good one. That's a good one. I'm telling you, it's a good one. <clears throat> there are practical things which I've given you. There are spiritual things. And Jesus says in Matthew 6, I read it last week in the message about worry. If you missed that, please go check it out. I think it'll help you. And Jesus is teaching about worry, he says, at the end of it. Verse 33, he says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well, right, or added to you as well. There are practical things, I talked about that, but there are spiritual things for the believer that we put God first, we give God our first and our best, that's what we said last week, and we trust him with the rest. Say it with me, give God our first and our best and trust him with the rest. When we do this, when we live out trust, honor, it's really about honor, honoring God. If you go read the Bible, it's about honor. Three things happen. Number one, I think we experience God's blessings in ways that doesn't make sense to other people. The math doesn't work. So practically speaking, I will talk about the tithe. I'm just going to drop it and run, okay? The tithe, Malachi 3.8, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, God says through Malachi, um, so that there be, f- be food in my house. And he says, test me in this. Look at this. Says the Lord God Almighty, see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much, right, blessing. So much blessing. He says, trust me in this. See if I will not pour out so much blessing. Um, when I talk about tithe, the room gets quiet. People quit. People leave. People walk out. Um, people feel guilty or they get angry, whatever it is. Can we just declare a guilt-free, anger-free zone? Put all that out in the parking lot. I'm just saying, God said, try me test me. That's all I'm saying, right? When the Bible asks us to take the first tenth of our earnings and give it to God, that requires what? Faith, trust. Some of you be like, there's no way. I get it. I get it. I totally get that. So you just say, God, I'm going to live on, on percentages. I'm going to do the wi- what wise people do. You pick a percentage. This one I'm going to save. This one I'm going to give. This one I'm going to live on the rest. And, and you work that and you see what God does. Just try God. That's what he says. So Second thing, when you put God first in your, your, your finances, I believe there's a supernatural contentment. I believe this is what Paul meant when he says that w- w- um, with God, all things are possible. Like, like with Christ, I can do all things, right? The way that we get contentment supernaturally is because God gives us a strength. In fact, Solomon says in Proverbs 15, but better a little, better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. Better a marriage that's at peace than a marriage that's miserable with cool cars. Better a marriage and a family that lives in unity and has space and margin, doesn't have every cool thing, right? Better the one that has peace, like with with a fear of the Lord, than, than, than a family with great wealth. And I've seen this over and over and over again. Families with great wealth that hate each other. And when somebody dies, they fight each other to the death, right? To get what's theirs. Better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. Lastly, I think when you put God first, spiritually, you end up with more of what matters. You end up with more of what matters. You may not have what everybody else has. You may not have the cool cars, the cool stuff, um, but they're drowning in debt anyways, a lot of them. Come on. You end up with peace, though. You end up with joy. You end up living with gratitude because life isn't about stuff. 
and, and, and you have more time for the people that you love and you're not at each other's throats because you spent yourself there, right? You'll be rich relationally. You'll be rich spiritually. You'll be rich in the things that matter most. And so here's the last thing. When your heavenly father who loves you and he doesn't need anything from you, he doesn't want anything from you. In fact, when Jesus talked about 35 parables, maybe 38, depending on how you categorize them, 16 of those are about money and possessions. 16 of Jesus' teachings are about money and possessions, more than heaven, hell, and prayer combined. Why, right? right? Well, why does he teach about this? He, and, but listen, he never asks for anybody's money. Jesus never asks for anybody. The only time he asked for money was, hey, you have a coin? Let me see it. Whose face is on it, right? And they say, oh, it's Caesar. And he gives it back to them. Like he gives them back their own, the coin. He doesn't ask for people because he doesn't need anything from people except their hearts, right? Except their hearts, Old Testament, New Testament, God's always talking about, the Bible's always talking about, hey, get away from the edge. Don't live so close to the limits of what you can afford that you're constantly stressed out. Don't, don't get house poor. Don't get car poor. Don't get vacation poor. Don't get Christmas time poor. Come on, can I get a witness, somebody? Back away from the edge. Leave a little space. Leave a little margin. Old Testament, New Testament. I want you to come away from your li- limits so that you can live the abundant life. I don't want you to be driven by a standard of living. I want you to be driven by quality of life. <clears throat> because in your quality of life, you'll have a better quality of relationships. Your health will be better quality. You'll be in a better position to serve me. I want you to have quality of life that reflects my life in you. Amen, somebody? That's where we're going for the next couple of weeks. We're going to dig there. There's a group that's ready for you starting this Tuesday night. Go by Next Step Central. You can sign up there. You can sign up online. There's a, a book that you'll need to grab. they got some back there. If, the, if that's you, take some time. Take four weeks. It's not an eight-week week. It's not a 12-week. It's just four weeks. And get started. And then come February, we're going to all jump in. And we're going to see what God can do supernaturally through our finances. L- let me pray for us, and then we'll get us out of here. Lord, thanks so much. <clears throat> God, for um, the word of the Lord. Um, all these principles, most of the money management principles are actually right in the Bible, almost all of them. All the smart people talking about money, those principles are in, the, in your word because you have settled so much of this for us just in your word. And I just pray your blessings and your grace and your strength. I pray people would come to know you in such a way that they would learn to trust you, not just with their salvation, which is the most important, but they would trust you with all of life, their health, their homes, their families, their finances, their talents, all of it. They would give it to you first and that they would trust you with all of the rest. And I pray that you would do uh, amazing things for people in their hearts and their lives. God, and people who are really stressed out right now financially, you'd help them to know how to have financial peace. I pray this in Jesus' name. Uh, Amen. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If this ministry has impacted you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, please visit lifepointsa.com slash give to make a donation. We hope you have a great rest of your week and we hope to see you soon at one of our Sunday worship experiences. God bless.